Welcome into episode 20 of Adventures in New Music with Chris and Andy, the podcast where we take two albums each week and have a little chat about them. Why, why Chris and Andy? Why would, you, why would you put yourself first? I mean, I'm not surprised, but why? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> you're an egomaniac, that's right. Chris. Oh dear. Uh, what are you wearing? I have just finished teaching. I'm wearing a shirt and tie. Very nice. I'm wearing the same hoodie I've been wearing all week, uh, suffering with a cold. It's, it's been on many a video call with work colleagues and um, often with the hood up when I'm feeling like I'm in, you know, w- when I'm feeling safe with the company, I'm in, I'll put the hood up and just be like, I've got a cold. I don't really want to contribute. Yeah. But, you know. Obviously, hood down tonight. I'm ready to contribute. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Look forward to it. What about what, what's the reasoning behind the cap back to front then? <laughs> <laughs> Gentle listener, that's not true. Oh, but dearie Chris is me. Definitely dearie me. Absolutely. Mm. Um, should we crack into it? Let's do it. What have you been listening to? Um, what have I been listening to? I've been listening to a few things. I- Actually, I wanted to draw your attention to the website, this website called Pure Mix, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite interesting. It's all about sort of mixing and there's loads of little tips and all sorts of stuff on there. But the the thing that caught my eye about this was they're running a competition at the minute where you can mix one of Nazca Lines' songs, (laughs) Pure Luxury. Right. No, uh, was it Pure Luxury? The opening song of the album? Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Now... I'm not going to have a go at this because my mixing skills are not my forte. However, um, I've downloaded all the stems and you can listen to all the tracks individually. And it is fantastic. (laughs) It is so good because obviously we really enjoyed the album and that track in particular. And we talked about how well it had been mixed Mm. and, you know, how well it had all been recorded. It's brilliant. It's oh, so right. good to, to hear all, all the tracks and stuff. So you can basically do like your own your own remixed version of it and just reorder yeah. it, Sub- cut stuff out. Submit it, and then I think the man himself's going to judge it. Oh, God, that's such a cool idea. It's But even like just, I mean, I spent half an hour just listening to the stems and yeah. listening to all the individual tracks, and there's some such good stuff in there. Like listening to all the guitar solo stuff is oh, really yeah. cool. You know, like the, like the solo without effects or um, with some, some fuzz effects on, and it's very interesting. How many tracks are there? How many stems? Oh, loads. Yeah. Loads. They all come in different folders, so you've got all the drums in one, all the vocals in one, all the guitar in another, and yeah, there's oh over hundred easily. That's such fun. That's really yeah. cool. Really interesting. Hey, Andy, right? Mm. Matt Bellamy, mm. Graham Coxon, Miles Kane, Nick Chester, the drummer from Jet, and Sean Payne from the Zootons. What they got in common? Are they all in a band together at a minute? They're in a band together. No way. Well, I saw a little bit on Instagram about Matt Bellamy and Graham Coxon playing guitar together. And they're just kind of looking at each other going, yep, yep. That's a <laughs> um, what's, what's it all about? I haven't heard anything else. What, what are they? they are in a band called the Jaded Hearts Club. Mm. So their album came out last week. Um, I downloaded it. It's, um, it's quite odd. It's all covers. Okay. I think they were kind of put together as a sort of a, a bit of a weddingy type band. I think it was a bit of a laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I definitely think they've been put together for a bit of a laugh. And yeah. the, the, like the story behind them is, um, I don't know, they played some gig and McCartney was on stage and, and Ringo was in the audience. It's, I mean, it sounds pretty crazy. It sounds pretty crazy. But uh, just to give you a few sort of um, 
I say highlights. Um, so the, the album the album opens with "We'll Meet Again" with Matt Bellamy singing it. Okay. In his yep. sort of falsetto, mm-hmm. then it goes straight into "Reach Out, I'll Be There" with uh, Nick Chester from Jet singing it, the drummer. Um, and it's got like I mean, it's got loads of loads of good songs. It's got "Money," that's what I want. You know, the the Motown tune. It's got "I Put a Spell on You." Um, it's, it, it's basically it's a lot of very very. Good songs done very, very averagely. Really? I'm honest. Yeah. Because well, they're, yeah. well, I, I think Graham Coxon's a great guitarist. I think Matt Bellamy's virtuoso at everything. Drummer from Jet, I imagine, pretty solid. Oh. Have I told you my story about Drummer from Jet? No. I had a night out with a drummer from Jet Did in you? New York. Yeah. <laughs> what, a ni- what a nice guy. What yeah. a nice guy. Bumped into him um, pretty much as I was about to get in a taxi and go back to my hotel. And that extended the night by about three hours. <laughs> and we were drinking Jaegerbomb and Blackcurrant Cordial. Oh, was that nice? Um, sorry, not Jaegerbomb. It was Jaegermeister straight with Blackcurrant Cordial. Oh, I, I thought at the time it was. Yeah. He's a, a lovely guy. Really oh, nice that's guy. That's really cool. That's a rock yeah, and roll very story, good. isn't it? Anyway, sorry, back to the Jaded Hearts Club. Mm. Other than the way, you know, great songs, great players. It's, it's my bolognese analogy all over again. You throw too many ingredients in, nothing. Absolutely. Um, we're back to balsamic Brendan, aren't we? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the the thing is, the songs are so good that you kind of get away with it. Because, the, the, yeah. you know, the sort of songs that even when they're done badly, they're still great because they are such timeless songs. The Enemy sums it up with, uh, this is what they start the review with, well-intentioned but often unlistenable dad rock. And I'd, <laughs> I would have to, I'd have to agree in this instance. Excellent. I might... Uh... Which is a bit, bit of a shame because I like all the, all the people. But I, I think it is, it's definitely well-intentioned. It's obviously been done for a bit of a, a laugh. I'll check it out just for the novelty value. I think I don't know if I'll plow through the whole album, but uh... no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother. I'd probably <laughs> bit of a bit of a skip. High praise. Um, I've not had a chance to check out the whole of the Sufjan album yet, but I have heard a track off it called "Video Game," mm-hmm. which is really good. Yeah. Really like that. Yeah, I've not heard the whole thing myself either. I mean, I've I've, I've listened to a few tracks, started at the beginning, and, and went my way through. He just he can just put an album together, can't he? You know, it's it's like he'll go acoustic one. Uh, one album and then Electro the next album and it's I know it all he, he can kind of turn his hand to either and it sounds great Um so I really am looking forward to getting into it because the first track I can't remember what it's called just loads going on goes all over the place so uh, you know I rate that guy anyway but I, I really want to get I him. rate him mm. I wish he'd uh I wish he'd follow through on a project, though. How many of them states did he manage? <laughs> Two, wasn't it? Michigan yeah. and Illinois. You know, I'm going to do all and 15. Illinois, yeah. like, Come on, man. Where's Alaska? This will um, this will make you feel old. Mm. Illinois is 15 years old this year. Oof. I know. I was feeling a bit old because uh, Kid A just had its 20th anniversary, didn't it? Yeah. And it's like, oh man, I loved Kid A, but I, weirdly, just before we um, just before we started recording tonight, I was listening to. Okay, computer for the first time in okay. ages. I don't know why, and I just fancied it and put it on. Uh, put it on at track four. Uh, exit music for a film. So it skipped yeah. out airbag, paranoid android, and subterranean homesick mm. alien. And I don't know why I skipped those out, but I just wanted to hear that song and then just let the whole thing play out. And I've forgotten really how how amazing it was. It feels like a sort of milestone in modern music that. I mean, you know, everyone's said everything about it already. I'm not going to say anything new, but I just love that record. I think it's great. I was quite late to the Radiohead party for some reason. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of never was really massively into them at the time that that came out, that album. Um, but have gone back and revisited it and, you know, it is, it is unbelievable. I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, when a band is just so huge and so in your face yeah. and if you sort of miss the miss the yeah. boat a little bit on it you know i do i do this with films and programs oh, you know when people completely. when people start raving about stuff i always go yeah i'm probably not gonna bother yeah that. totally and then three years down the line you're like that's amazing you tell everyone they're like yeah come on mate. yeah yeah that was my first big gig though seeing radiohead on the okay computer tour at wembley arena was it yeah i was 15 it's great I remember just being like blown away by it and then a month later Went to see Blur on the Blur tour at Brixton Academy, which is one of the most punk gigs I've ever been at in my life. I saw them in Manchester on that tour. Did you? It's a good tour, mm. that. Well, I mean, great album, that. Good good period of Blur. I remember particularly riotous version of Chinese Bombs, them doing oh, live. Yeah. It's about twice the speed of the yeah. album. But then everything was like park life. I remember just being like, I don't know. Just like, obviously, Phil Daniels wasn't there doing, doing the old, you know, confidence. But it was, yeah, um, <laughs> very, hey, it was very just, good. Thanks, man. Good impression. But uh, you know, they're just blasting it out. Great fun. Anyway, I've been listening to new stuff as well, which I should segue right into. Uh, did you ever like Rilo Kylie? Yeah, yeah. So they've got a new album out, first one in about ten years, and I thought they'd broken up permanently, and um, it came out, and it's it's pretty good. It's just called Rilo Kylie, and that's um, that's a really good album. It's nice to hear from you. Cool. Mm. I'd, I'd recommend it. I need to have another listen. It hasn't blown my, my mind, but it's, uh, it is good. Um, another, uh, another band I really like called Fruit Bats. They've got an album out called The Glory of Fruit Bats. They're not, mm. they're not a massive band, but uh, sort of uh, a little bit Americana, a little bit uh, Trace Mountains, which, uh, which might appeal to you. <clears throat> I also checked out a band called The Harriets from Leeds who got in touch on the Instagram. They've got an album called Hopefuls and it's really, really good. So I'd recommend giving that a, a listen, The Harriets. And off the back of your recommendation for a podcast last week, I listened to that, what's that one, Off Menu podcast? Oh, yeah. With a Corey Taylor on it. He comes across the world and he's very funny. Um, very funny guy. And uh, I gave his album CMFT, which I believe stands for Corey, my friend Taylor. Um, I gave that a listen. <laughs> Go on, I'm interested to hear <laughs> Because I mean, it, he, does, he comes across as such a good guy, but I'm like, I'm going to draw the line at listening to your album, pal. Well, I had a go, and it's... Um, you know, it's a it's quite a bombastic rock record. He's thrown a lot at it, and you're like, "What genre is this, really?" And it's like it's like <laughs> rock, and it sounds a little bit Bon Jovi at some points, and a bit Celtic at some point, a bit Flogging Molly or something. Like, okay, I don't know what you're yeah. don't know what you're getting at here, but you know, this is good for you, Corey. I like you. What's the, he was banging on about a song that he'd written and it was he was like, oh, I've just been inspired oh, by yeah. the words that you see on a tour bus toilet. Yeah, I actually didn't get to that. Uh, and it, that's the last track on the album. <laughs> Apparently it's a bit of a novelty track because there is some sort of hip hop stuff right. in there as well. And it's like, all right. So I just gave it a quick skim today. Okay. But yeah, actually European tour bus bathroom song or whatever it's called. Need to get yeah. that. Last track on the yeah. album. Probably, probably... Do you? Nicely Do you placed. need to give it a listen? I do, I do. Okay, you know, 
fair, fair play to the guy. He's 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 had a go. Tell you what, have you listened to any uh, Christmas music yet? I know we're both fans of Christmas, but have you uh, have you had a chance to listen to any Christmas music yet? No, Jane, my wife has listened has uh, started watching the Christmas Channel movies and all that sort of business already. <laughs> she's like weeks ago she was on that. I'd give her a sh- I'd give her a shout out, but I don't think she's past episode six of this podcast. <laughs> she's bailed. She's bailed on it already. Your wife listening to this? Yeah, yeah, she is actually. She uh, she downloads it and like you know if she's uh, taking the kids swimming or, or or whatever she you know waiting for them to come out of something, um, she'll have a listen. And um, uh, another shout out to my wife. Actually, uh, I helped her out with some work stuff uh, recently, and so she bought me a bottle of whiskey. Oh, lovely! I know. I'm abs- I, I don't know how to say it. I know it's quite a famous whiskey, but Bonnerhabane. I'm probably saying that all wrong, but it's a nice, a really nice whiskey. Drinking it tonight, and excellent. Um, yeah, a bit of a legend, my wife. So a, a little shout out for the for M. There we go. Right then, lovely. But anyway, lovely. going back to Christmas music, there's a new Christmas album out. Oh, Ace! I feel I feel a special special episode coming on. <laughs> Tell you what, that's not a bad idea. Uh-huh. But this is called a Holly Dolly Christmas, and okay. it's by uh, one of my favourite artists of all time, Dolly Parton. And, oh, and let me tell you, Chris, it's spectacular. Does it not disappoint? It's it's a wonderful outing, and I recommend it very highly for all your seasonal needs. I will absolutely, probably for the first time, take one of your recommendations <laughs> and run with it. <laughs> it's country music, man. But I will do that. I will do that. I will do that. You mix it with all sorts of new stuff there. Absolutely. So, apart from that, any anything else re- to report from the week? Not really. Oh, I'll tell you what, introduce the kids to Back to the Future. Um, oh, cool. Mm, didn't realise how many times they dropped the old S-bomb. Oh, yeah, because it used to be, when it was on TV, it was so badly dubbed. They used to, I think they used to dub it for, like, cheese. Holy cheese! <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. My, my seven-year-old, she, she really, she's wise to it. She must have picked it up already. Yeah. You know, living with me and him. But uh, <laughs> she is very, she's she's extremely clever. Did she spot it was Huey Lewis? I bet she did, didn't she? Is that Huey Lewis? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pointed that out to her because because Power of Love's on the old rocking playlist that I go on a lot about, and um and she was like, oh, I love this song, and then I was like, that's the man who sings it, and she was like, no way, and then at the end, Back in Time comes on by Huey Lewis, and she's like, is this oh, yeah. Huey Lewis? And I was like, yes, it is. So she kind of got the one news. of his references and the news. And the news. Don't forget about the news. <laughs> but yeah, she uh, she heard old Marty, uh, you know. Cussing left, right, and centre, and she's like, "Why does he keep saying that?" And I'm like, well, "Don't repeat it." And she's like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, we'll keep it under your act, kid. Absolutely, mm. cool. Oh, that sounds nice. Uh, I've been back at the old trampoline park today with my little little lad buddy. Nice. Yeah, good fun getting in the old. They've got that. Uh, they've got like a basketball court thing. So <laughs> awesome. of course I'm there, just elbowing kids out the way and sta- standing up, standing on buddy for a leg up to get a, get a slam dunk. You need a leg up at a trampoline park. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was good fun. Excellent. That was good man. fun. So yeah, all good, all good. Should we um, should we bang on to uh, bang through to our albums then? Let's bang through to our albums. Excellent. I think you're first up today. That's right. So um, this week, my album of the week was Pabst with. Deuce et Machina. Not a 
probably said that all kinds of wrong. You, but it's not like Deus Ex Machina. Is it not Machina? Is, is it not probably Machina? Is Machina? But then didn't Pumpkins do an album? They called it Machina. So I don't know what to say. Anyway, so Pabst, um, I'm going to read direct from their Bandcamp because I was, you know, reading around about these guys. They haven't, they haven't um, got a huge amount uh, out about them. They've had one previous album which came out in 2018 called Chlorine. Um, but their band camp absolutely sort of nails it. I presume they've written this themselves, but it's one of the most efficient uh, sums, summing ups of summing up. Some, it's a very nice write up of the band. And uh, it says Pabst are a Berlin based power trio who are ready to transcend the definitions of modern rock music. In an era where grunge has been marginalised into a fashion statement, Pabst revitalised the genre with elements of noise rock, stoner rock and R&B. Um, I don't know if the last bit is serious, but I feel like the rest of it is probably um, pretty accurate. So they're uh, from Berlin. They look great, long hair. They're definitely going in the, uh, the grunge thing but i think there's elements of uh black keys queens of stone age bit of soul wax bit of hives bit of vines in there as well um and ah uh, uh, i think you might have just hit it on the head for me what all week i've been going who do they sound like who do they sound like soul wax it soul is soul wax, wax. really sound like soul wax because mm. there's like because there's um well let's get straight into it there's a kind of um the opening track, Machina or Machina or whatever you say, does kick off with a very bluesy sort of riff, like a, like a Black Keysy sort of riff. And hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang what, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? It it kicks off with accounting. Is what it kicks off. Oh, with. it does. It kicks off with. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, sh- I knew. Oh, I should have known you were going to say something about that. But it's like a spoken word counting. It's like a kind of English yeah, voice yeah. counting, which is clearly none of them. And then a riff begins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't believe you've interrupted my flow like that. I can't, sorry, sorry. Can't wait sorry. to destroy your flow later on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, they 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 eventually come in uh, after a four count with this bluesy riff, um, which is really really pretty cool. Uh, I completely forgotten what my point was. Um, sorry, mate. No, it it, it doesn't matter. So yeah, they they start with accounting. You take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean the the, I mean you've hit sort of all the genres there, isn't it? It's it's rock. It's got quite poppy elements to it. Definitely stoner rock. Definitely here in Queens of the Stone Age. There's 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 tons of bits on this album that remind me of other bands, but quite you know a lot of it I can't kind of put my finger on. One of them being Soul Wax, but you've just nailed that so obviously it's got accounting which is gonna put you off right away um but there are a couple of things about this track in isolation that i thought you would probably really enjoy like i do feel like this is a very strong drumming album like it's uh, a huge drumming album <laughs> yeah with um uh like in verse two of machina there's there's like these staggered drums like and then it's like straight back into the riff which is uh yeah i don't Dr- know drum fill at one minute drum drum fill at one minute 20 i've there got it and then about two minutes and ten it speeds up and in a really organic sort of way and i was like yeah chris will enjoy this and then with yeah, about yeah. 30 seconds to go just a proper slowdown kicks back into the riff doesn't it yeah I think it's really cool, and that speed up is great, and that's where I feel like it starts to move from 
black keys into Queens of the Stone Age. The guitar takes on a slightly different sort of tone and very, very clever riffing. Yeah, the, see, the guitar solo, um, there's a lot of things throughout this album that very much remind me of Queens of the Stone Age. I think they're quite clearly big fans of Queens of the Stone Age without, I'm not saying they're ripping them off, you know, but they're obviously sort of taking influence by Queens of the Stone Age. That whole guitar solo in there, it's the way that the sort of, it's just very simple, it's a couple of notes, it's a very Josh Homme thing to do where it sort of starts on a note, goes up a step, goes back to the root note, down a step, back up. Think of like um, regular John or something mm-hmm. like that off the first Queens of the Stone Age album, and it's it sounds like a, a solo from that. Um, there's a, a couple of other moments that that sound a bit Queens of the Stone Age. I think Legal Tender's got a bit of a Queens of the Stone Agey yeah. feel to it. There's um, one of them which sounds like uh, Little Sister by Queens of the Stone Age. Straight line with the one with the cowbell. One with the cowbell. Yeah, yeah, it is. Actually. Yeah, is that a cowbell or a woodblock? I wrote woodblock because you pulled me up on cowbell before. Could be jam jam block or or, or cowbell, um, but yeah, it's like very Queen's Astonish. Also, I mean, other sort of comparison band wise, reminded me of some of the Brit rock bands. It reminded me like of Kasabian, Hardfi, Cooper okay, Temple yeah. Claws. There's that sort of element to it as well. The Kasabian bit hmm. is that first track. You've got all those sort of very um, anthemic ahs, yeah, you know, yeah. loads of that huge sort of hmm. backing vocals and stuff, and it's got that that sort of Kasabian swagger to it as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, totally agree with you. This is a this is a drum album. Absolutely. Well, like the one we're going to talk about a little bit later, very much this is a drum album. And I feel as I listen to this, that the drummer of uh, Pabst, it really is the secret weapon. He's like, you know, yeah. he really is the, yeah, the weapon totally. of this band. It's just, I mean, every track, you go straight from the first one into the second track, um, and it's it's like straight out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like straight out the blocks in it with some yeah. pretty boisterous drumming, just yeah. straight out of it, like really frantic, but but never sort of overplayed. We've you know some of the other albums that we talked about, like Dogleg, for example, mm-hmm. sticks out with the the, the yeah. loads of like ferocious drumming, and we we were sort of like edging on the is this being overplayed? Mm-hmm. Is this being overdrummed? I didn't get that with this album. No, I didn't, and I think part of that is because I feel like. Each of them plays a pretty strong suit, you know. For a, for a power trio, you can't really have a weak link, you know. And, no. And all of them are absolutely kind of nailing their tones, their play, and everything about it. Like the bass is very, very playful. So even in that first track, it's, he's never kind of hanging on a note. He's kind of riffing on a note. Yeah. Like, you know, all that stuff. Very... It's a bit like when Chris Novoselic in Nirvana is, is never just doing a standard root note thing I mean he does sometimes but obviously he does sometimes but he he sort of moves around a lot within within the keys yeah. playing in but also outside the keys playing in something like heart shaped box where he's sort of bending into awkward sort of half notes and things like that but uh, he's uh, he's a very very accomplished bassist and it did remind me of the bassist in the vines I can't remember his name off the top of my head oh, but, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. vines yeah. again uh, originally at least a power trio weren't they and they just um, yeah the bassist really held it together when when Craig, what's his name, was sort of absolutely destroying the gaff. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. It it, uh, it reminded me of that a lot. But then as well, the guitar playing it's solid as, and the and the tone is great. I quite like the way at the end of Useless Scum, uh, they sort of drop into the Twentieth uh, Century Boy riff just for like two cycles, and then they end yeah. with this weird um, this weird chord progression that kind of makes you think they've moved on to a different song. I quite like when bands do that, and you're like, hey, what's this? But it's just a sort of weird outro thing, and it reminded me of that track, Somebody I Used to Know, 
Yes, by it by does, that doesn't guy. it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, like yeah, Sting. yeah. I can't remember what that was called. But yes, but yeah, it was like, what's this? What are they doing? And then it goes into legal tender, which is proper upbeat, proper good. Yeah. What did you yeah. think of uh, the drugs song, uh, ibuprofen? Well, it's a good, it's a good track. You're asking me lyrically what I thought of it. <laughs> well, just generally, what you or or even the pronunciation, ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the sort of the way that the album sits with me. You've got your first two songs, which are pretty bangers, straight out of the blocks with them. Mm. And then when you got onto the track three, "Useless Scum," it was really when you got onto this third track, it was the first chance really to sit back and sort of appreciate the production on the album. Because yeah. in that song, there's there's so much going on mm. in that song. Um, <clears throat> there's like the sort of you got your lead guitar, you got a fuzz guitar, you got again, you've got all the sort of the backing vocals, the R's and the U's and and the melody, but nothing's tripping each other up, nothing's getting in the way of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, you've got the drums going ballistic again in that song. Yeah. But it's the the production on it and the mix really quite interesting. It's really well done. The lower registers, like the bass guitars, the lower guitars, like sort of your your power chords and stuff, they really drive the drive the songs. They sit quite a bit higher in the mix, and then you've got like your your higher guitar end, your higher frequency guitars are just sort of just there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Clearly, they're quite a kind of bottom end of the EQ type band, and it's it sort of it served them well that whoever's produced this has sort of put a lot of attention into getting definition in that sort of lower end. Of things because that seems to be where most of the instruments sit, which is really good. It it definitely the, the album definitely sounds like a lot of this has been written with the intention of playing it live. I mean, it does have quite a live feel to the album. Um, have you have you checked them out live on YouTube no, at all? No, have I haven't seen any live stuff for these guys actually. So I saw, yeah, I checked out a video of them playing. It's really weird video. It's it's a virtual <laughs> festival performance, right? Yeah. And it's like a full hour set. Um, but it's like they've superimposed the crowd in. It's so weird. Um, but, I mean, live, the proper tie. And also, as soon as they started playing, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want this band to look like. <laughs> yeah, they look um, great, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got your three-piece. You've got a keyboard player who occasionally pops oh, okay. up, live keyboard player. Mm. But three-piece, like proper lanky bass player who's sporting a knee support. Um, <laughs> the drummer's like just got like a real minimal four-piece kit with a couple of cymbals, you know, like your, your yeah. typical sort of um, your, your soundy thing, that you know, and the guitarist and singer looks, looks like really cool. They do look like that sort of, garage uh, mm. garage rock grunge thing uh, it's interestingly what you said what what you said in the um the start bit what they've put about grunge um because i didn't know that it's it's very very grungy album it's a very grungy album and, and the word grunge in modern times i think can have quite a negative connotation because it very much is of a time isn't it when you say mm. grunge it's it, okay you know exactly what period you're talking about you know exactly what bands you're talking about but this is a modern take on grunge it's it's you know i'd hate to say by labeling this grunge that gives the impression that it's got that sort of 90s that dated vibe because yeah. it's not at all it's a very modern up-to-date mm-hmm. version of grunge yeah absolutely i think it's quite a slick album really i think it owes more to uh, you know i've said it a few times but i think it's much more like black keys last album than it is anything nirvana did it's um yeah it's classy. It's it's got a bit of humour to it, like that uh, that ibuprofen song. Like it's 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 basically about you know, it makes me feel better. Last night I tripped and I fell, chasing my dreams. Now I'm infusing my blood with ibuprofen. It's like it's quite it's quite yeah. it's quite an amusing uh, album. It's definitely not kind of 
down in the dumps like a lot of grunge could be like very introspective i mean I'm, i think there are kind of deeper points on the album i'm not just saying it's kind of like comedy songs all the way through but it's it's just uh it's rocking and it's fun and it sort of occupies that <clears throat> queens of stone age black keys grungy edge rather than a nirvana one if you know what i mean I, I definitely think the most grunge that they are at the album is uh, track seven, Fugitive, mm-hmm. uh, open brackets, another song about running away, close brackets, which <laughs> unfortunately has no mention of Harrison Ford, mm. but it um, is definitely the grungiest part. It's like really fuzzy raw bass, sort of screaming guitars, all the sort of grungy characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, leading into after that, you've got Hell, track eight. Mm-hmm. You get a cheeky little jazz organ popping up. Oh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Just just filling out the higher registers there. You get a little jazz organ. Um, slight issue with this song. So, lyric, you got a one-way ticket to hell and stayed, he sings in the chorus. Okay. <laughs> it fit, one, that feels a very, very spinal tap to me. And also, that just doesn't make sense. You got a one-way ticket to hell and stayed. Well, yeah, because if you were intending to come back, you surely would have got a return. Well, maybe you were doing that thing where you're like, you're going to walk back. It's like, you know, you do a long walk and you get the bus back. Or, <laughs> you know, maybe it was that. No, I'm not trying to justify it. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I, I don't want to find a flaw where, where there is no flaw, you know. I don't want to find a mistake where really it's just us lost in translation there. Yeah. So I think, you know, you got you got a one-way ticket to hell. You had to look around. You thought, yeah, I'll stay because you were going to walk back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or hitchhike. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, hitchhike! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe on the next album, then they might complete the journey. <laughs> <laughs> a round ticket to hell—that's what they'll call yeah. it. Turns out, mm. couldn't get a return. <laughs> yeah. Well, t- turns out maybe it was, it's like one of them train journeys where it's cheaper to get two singles. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe yeah, split tickets. But they, but yeah. then also, I imagine like most uh, uh, trains or flights out of hell are probably booked up, aren't they? Everyone's. Yeah, <laughs> you know, everyone's trying to get out, and maybe they just don't do it. What did you think of? Um, what did you think of track? What do you think of the final track, track eleven, "My Apocalypse"? Uh, it reminded me of something, like the hook in the chorus. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I've got exactly, exactly the same. I've got exactly the same. What does this remind me of? Question mark. That. Which I've had yep. over quite a lot of this album. Um, I can, if anything, I can find like. I have really enjoyed this album. That's the potential downfall for me is I've spent far too much of enjoying this album trying to figure out who they sound like and what they remind me of. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it. That track 11, the final track, it's um, it's quite a weird one because it's stylistically, it's quite different to the rest of the album. I mean, not to the extent that Oh Me was with the, mm-hmm. the last track on their album, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty gutsy move to end the album with this track, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit more, what, what's, what, would, what would the word be? Polished? I don't know. What gentle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, bit more poly, a bit more like poppy, radio friendly. Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Certainly yeah. production wise. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it is a bit like they've gone. We've written a really good song. We need to put it somewhere. It's, it's not. It's kind of not in keeping with the rest of the album. Just tack it on the end. Yeah, but I think it works. I don't think it's like incongruous with the rest of the album. It's just no, um, no. It's just it's just a big single. But I quite like the fact that the album, as a result, doesn't fade. You know, it's there's a lot of very similar sounding stuff on here. It's definitely yeah. the same vibe throughout. But by the end, you're kind of going, oh, all right, you've saved a really strong track for the last track. 
Quite the album's quite nicely broken up by track six, wish.com, uh, which is like a bit of an interlude, isn't it? It's like that mm. it's almost like you're right, this is your warning to get up and turn the record over. Yeah, yeah, I like those tracks now. I, I do. do. I've really grown to like them. We've had a few mm. albums that have got those in and it's uh, it's it's kinda cool. It's kinda cool. Mm. I think what I would say about this album, sort of drawing to drawing it to a conclusion, um, if you want a real sort of energetic um rock uh, sort of I, I nearly said basic. I don't want to use the word basic. What what <laughs> what I like? Veg. Yeah, what I like is I I read an interview with the band, and mm. in it they were asked to describe their music, and they said that our music is simple with no unnecessary frivolities. Oh, I like that. I like that they're self-aware enough to say. Uh, that. Yeah, absolutely, bang on the head. <clears throat> Structurally, it's pretty simple. It's just done really well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. What I like is that the strong parts of what they do seem to be showcased in every song. Yeah. Like, you know, you can look forward to the bit where the drummer's going to kind of let loose a little bit and do something that you weren't expecting. Or, you know, you're going to hear that fuzz tone come through. Or the bassist is going to do something quirky. And you're like, well, what is it in this track? And it's, it's the same in every track, almost. Yeah. That, that yeah. all of those players are going to come out with something that you like. And for that reason... I think I'm going to go with track one for the playlist. I would not have an argument with that. It's because it showcases everything sort of beautifully. You've got the slow yeah. down, you've got the speed up, you've got the, I don't know, good riff, the, 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 the shift from sort of swagger to Queens of Stone Age to yeah. uh, grunge. You know, it's all there, I think. But the, the first track, the one that I agree should be the playlist track, and I agree is the, is the strongest on the, on the album. It's... It's the last third of the song that does it. It's from that sort of ferocious speed up. It just really elevates what up to that point was a relatively simple song into something much more clever. Um, yeah. And it's, um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a nice showcase of the album. And again, the drumming on it is is bang on. There's that, that little fill. I'm really glad you picked up on that little <laughs> fill because it's every time it's like, oh, I like that. I do like that. Yeah. There's another bit actually in Skyline track five where it um, he does something, the drums, and there's, some, there's a little bit of jiggery-pokery going on. I'm, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what it is. It's almost like the song seems to skip a beat. It's right in the middle, in the over the guitar solo. Um but I enjoy oh, that. Cool. I very much enjoy that. Oh, I need to pick that out. I will do. Yeah. How is Little Phil? Little Phil? <laughs> I don't think he'll see Christmas, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Oh, God, that's devastating. Right, so that was uh, that was Pabst with <laughs> Deuce X Machina. Actually, that brings me quite nicely with the whole hiccups thing is, you know, Pabst... Yeah. The band. Yeah. Has it got anything to do with the beer? Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, Beer? I think it might do. Uh, the The word Pabst in German means like um, someone whose opinion, like the Pope or someone whose view is is infallible. Like, um, Right. I don't really know how else to explain that. I don't really particularly understand it. But yeah, it's probably got more to do with the beer than the Pope, I imagine. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon? Hmm. Yeah. You reckon. Andy, I've just Googled it and it's short for pretty much always bored, sick and tired. P A B S T. What that's what the what the band define it themselves. That's what the band that's what the sh- that's what it's short for. Pretty much, that's the P. Always a bored B sick S and tired T. That should be it should be put 
Pumabasat. Yeah. Well, they, they've spelled it all wrong. Let's leave that there. So, my album for this week is Universal Beings E and F Sides by Micaiah McRaven. get into this so i picked this album more from the backstory than what i'd actually heard um let me tell you a little bit first of all about micaiah mccraven so micaiah is a jazz drummer um he was born in france to a hungarian mother and a father from america both of whom were professional musicians um and as a result his upbringing really brought a, a melting pot of influences both musically and in his life He's been around music, various musicians and jam sessions all of his life. There's a couple of videos online of him sat on his dad's knee when he's two and his dad's like sort of drumming in in like a bit of a, uh, a, a jam session. And, you know, it's very, very cool. He's obviously been grown up around music and um, and the jazz scene. This album, Universal Beings E&F Side, follows on from 2018's release, Universal Beings, which was a four-sided album, A, B, C and D, and was a double album. Blimey. This is a single album, mm. so we, this is hence sides E and F. And it's kind of recorded as an addendum to the original album. Right. So the setup from the album is Micaiah decided that he wanted to travel to four parts of the um, around the world to various jazz scenes. So pick London, New York, Chicago and L.A., and he wanted to kind of see where he fit in best musically. And he just picked a load of musicians from those locations and just had an improvised jam with them. Now, Micaiah sort of refers to himself as a beat scientist rather than a, a musician. Mm. And a lot of the musicians that he picks and a lot of the musicians who he works with are considered to be quite alternative. Not necessarily uh, primarily jazz musicians, but mu- musicians that are definitely have an influence in jazz. Mm-hmm. So this album, decided to pick it, quite excited about it. However, I'm going to hold my hands up here now. As a musician myself, the word improvising <laughs> is a word that absolutely <laughs> fills me with fear. It's not necessarily that I can't do it, it's just something that I don't particularly enjoy as a musician. And as far as I'm concerned, there are no two scarier words in the entire musical <laughs> vocabulary than jam night oh man you know what i i can speak from experience that um yeah you hate this stuff haven't been in what five different bands with you over the years the idea of coming to practice like hey guys i've got this really good uh riff or this really good progression should we just like jam on it and you're like no no we won't have you got a concrete idea i can put some beats behind and you know i respect that man (laughs) So I'm I'm full full trans full yeah full transparency here you know <laughs> improvising in music is not something that I enjoy so I was looking forward to this idea because I like the backstory about it I think it's a really interesting idea um, but I was also quite wary and cautious um, but it's a 44 minute running time on the album I felt like it was worthy of a punt it's something a little bit different it, it's good you know it's it's a it's a jazz album although I would say it's not your traditional jazz it's it's definitely got nods to drum and bass hip hop other stuff as well which we'll get into um and it it's 
the idea is it's taking us down a musical cul-de-sac that we wouldn't normally venture down. We've done it with sort of, you know, uh, black metal. Mm. And it's exactly what this podcast is about. And it's exactly what this musical journey was about. Um, I'm quite interested. Before I say too much more, give too much more away. I'm pretty interested to see what you think of this album in particular. To me, it feels very much like a drum album. Obviously, the the person mm-hmm. who's created it is a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums feel like the lead instrument on the album. I'd be quite interested to get your take as a non-drummer. Uh, what you thought? So I spent I spent much of the week writing notes that were like. Um, I don't know, really just like almost taking the mick. Like <laughs> there's a track Kings and Queens. I, I just wrote, I wrote a rude word and then I wrote chaos. And then, you know, it just basically sounds like a CD skipping. You know, all of my notes fairly trite, I'll, fairly kind of... Can I just stop you there? Yeah, go on. My hi- highlight of the album. <laughs> <laughs> just like they basically looped two seconds of the same track and it sounds like the CD... So I spent the week going, oh, God, this is really hard work. And, you know, you know, at one point a violin appears and you're like, okay, that's good. A violin, this is a bit different. Throwing something. Oh, they've made it sound like a swarm of bees. Oh, that's, that's a shame. You know, everything about this. I wrote headache sax, which seems to be a kind of headache sax is back on track six, da-da-da. And, and I spent a long time just going, oh, here we go. Writing, writing basically kind of how annoyed I was by this album. Until I watched some accompanying videos. Uh, I don't know if you saw these, but on Apple Music, which is this, the streaming service I use, there are, I don't know how many, maybe six, seven videos about the making of this album. Uh, see, I've seen that there's a 25-minute there's a documentary on YouTube that I've seen, oh. and it mu- that must be putting yeah, them all together, probably. eh? So, you know, it follows him in his kind of garage and, and, uh, and, and you know, having a jam session with a bunch of guys. One of the guys seems to be getting stuff out of his bag, like, I don't know, a couple of coat hangers. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen folk like that at jam nights before. <laughs> bottomless, bottomless bags of flipping all sorts of nonsense yeah, yeah, coming totally. out. I've got a belt here. I'm going to whack it against a bin lid. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's, stuff, there's stuff going on though. I'm like, what was going on here? As I watched it, it... And I think at some point it even calls itself contextualizing the record. Mm. It added so much context about what it was. It really does. And I it agree. talked about a thing called production or producer culture, where I, w- I was kind of interested. All, so there was all these different sessions that he was part of, and he was recording them. And just to go back to a point you made around the world, I love it. It's 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 like the World Series. It's like what Eddie Izzard used to say about it. Oh, America won the World Series yeah. again. Well yeah, done, yeah. guys. Um, yeah, so he's gone around the world to LA, Chicago, and New York. Oh, and London. And, uh... I, yeah, but I, I would say, though, I feel like that's slightly unfair because I feel like it it's influenced by all... Uh, like, there's yeah. so much Eastern European influence in this album. Ooh. Totally, and I think that comes from his mum because it was really interesting watching the bits about Budapest. Tell you what, we took yeah. on some goods. Uh, you know, went to Budapest for your stag zoo, Chris. A very well organised do, if I may say so. That's another. That's another podcast for you. <laughs> we saw some good uh, Eastern European folk music there, didn't we? Went to a gig. Helmet. Oh yeah, helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, digressed a little bit. The um, uh, it was nice seeing footage of Budapest. So it was great scene. Mm. Um, so the uh, yeah. So I've lost lost my way a little bit, but basically, um. 
going around, recording these sessions, taking them away, splicing them up, and 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 reimagining them as a as a producer. And I can't remember who in the videos talks about producer culture, but that's what he's doing. He's taking away three hours of recordings. Yeah. And 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 turning them into like latching onto ideas and turning them into these tracks, and all of a sudden, something like Kings and Queens, which has that kind of two-second loop or, or these various mm. little loops, which are so tight that it almost does sound like some kind of mistake, suddenly made sense because he's talking about getting a bunch of musicians in a room over a period of however long, and them all just sort of doing their own thing until at some point it locks together and then just yeah. focusing on that and then they lose it again. Yeah. But actually this is a kind of distillation of all those moments where they, they find each other. And it was sort of fascinating to think about it like that. And it's and there's a really nice bit in it because you can tell that, you know, that they are all out of the comfort zones doing this. Mm. You know, improvising, I would imagine, is a difficult thing to do no matter what level of ability you're at. And there's a really nice point where it's the um, the the lady who plays the harp oh, yeah. and she's saying, like, she, she's talking about having an email correspondence and she's saying, well, have we got the dots for these? We've got the music for this? And he's like, oh, there is no, we just play what we're playing. And he's just like, oh, I'm not, not sure about this. This isn't, isn't really what I do as a classically trained musician. Mm. You know, there's a really nice bit. One of the, um, I think it's one of the producers on the album says that this album sounds like the babble of strangers in a city. Oh, you you nice. don't know the people, you don't know what they're doing, but it's good to be immersed. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. I really did. I really did like that. Um, I, from the start, I quite like this album. I did quite like it. And I think a lot of that is because of the drums. The mm-hmm. drums are absolutely fantastic. They sound amazing. Mm-hmm. They are produced so well. I mean, like the kit itself, it's, it, you can tell it's just like such a nice jazz kit is playing. The sound of the kit is really dry. It's really, really nice. Drum-wise, there's a lot of great stuff going on here. A lot of really, really interesting stuff. So I did like this album from the off, mm-hmm. but took it to another level when I saw the documentary about it being yeah. a bit, about it being. Mis- I mean, let's not let's not beat around the bush. It's a challenging listen at times. Oh, it's a tough listen, and I think that's where I kind of came in at. I was like, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things about this that instantly I was like, oh, this is this is really hard. I mean, <laughs> it made me laugh that at the start, track one, everybody cool. There's talking. It's talking and whooping and hollering and laughing. Yeah. I was like, Chris is going to hate this. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, the track kicks off. And I'm like, but that- okay, this is this is quite good. But, there, you know, there's certain certain things about it. it. Certain tracks don't necessarily go anywhere. But it's because he's locking in on those points where no. they, they do, you know, they, they come together. And actually, th- this album is, like I said already, it's like a distillation of those points where it does go somewhere. So actually, if you heard the whole session, if you heard the whole yeah. track, you've got two hours of it not going anywhere. And what we got is the bits where it does. And I get that actually they don't, they don't travel in sort of in a poppy way. They don't, they don't make sense in the context of songs and, and, and radio hits. But what they do uh, sort of make sense of is that this is someone playing with form. They're not really doing music in a, in a commercial way. They're just totally into what they're doing, and everyone yeah. who's playing is completely into it. And I and I totally get that. I think you know, yeah. I've been conditioned. M- most people, I don't want to you know talk for most people, but I reckon a lot of people are conditioned to look for that the, the kind of structures and patterns you can identify within music, and that's why four four is such a nice kind of yeah. like, oh I'm there, I understand that, and 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 
I don't know, chord sequences that resolve. And, and, and this is a kind of exercise in, in not providing any of that. It's, it's working to a completely different standard. And, and it takes a bit of getting used to. But I really, mm. uh, really ended up enjoying that. I would, what I would say about this album is I picked up on the running time. It's only 44 minutes and the mm. songs range from 1 minute 27 to 4 minutes 36, which in the context of jazz is very short arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a nice one to sort of dip your toe in because the songs aren't long and, and you know, and, and some of them do feel more like ideas than fully formed songs. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, you know, there's a lot to be, a lot to sort of be enjoyed there. The instrumentation is, is really quite satisfying. There's, there's drums, double bass, saxophone, keyboards, harp, vibraphones, violin, other string instruments. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And it's, it's like at its best, I think. I mean, you picked up on Kings and Queens. I've got two standout tracks on the album, that being one. I mean, this, the way when I'm listening to it, it's almost, you can almost get into a meditative state about it. Yeah. it the whole song is just a, a repeated sort of pattern it's, it's almost like a sort of an ostinato it's just repeating you've got lots of interplaying instruments going on you can kind of pick out any instrument and interpret that as the melody so whatever's going on whatever instrument is playing you can think that is you know that's the melody the the song itself very very interesting you've got some huge eastern european influence going on there they, they reminded me of a band do you ever listen to ever remember a band called hawk and a hacksaw Oh, I know the name, but I don't think I've listened to them. So they, they reminded me a little bit, in this track, it reminds me a little bit of that. But that said, you've also got a traditional Cuban song, 3-2 clave pattern being played as well, that's been sort of like played out. So the, there's all sorts of stuff going on. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. M- my other standout um, is track five, Beat Science. Yeah, that's a, that's a tight stare the, on that, isn't it? Yeah, th- see, th- this is... This throws in the things that I enjoy the most about the album and the things that I enjoy least about the album in one song. It starts off with like a minute and a half drum solo, which I'm not overly fussed about. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what's your... I'm a drummer. What's your opinion on drum solos? I absolutely yourself? love drum solos. Like I, 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 I'm a guitarist, but can I watch a guitarist play on, in, on, on YouTube? No, I can't, man. But I could watch drum solos forever. Like watching drums, watching drummers mm. play good drums is just joyful. And so when I hear a drum solo on an on an album like this, you're kind of constantly going, how's he doing it? Because it's a different kind of mechanics to any other yeah, instrument, yeah. I think. And so it's fascinating for me uh, to, to kind of hear uh, or tr- to hear and also to try and imagine what they're thinking as they do it. So to hear Makaya Craven really sort of open up like he does on I don't know something like Mac Attack as well or on Beat Science it's, it's great mm. and I don't mind how long it goes on because you're still kind of I'm, by the time it ends I'm still left wanting still trying to figure out what he's doing but I think that song yeah. is great or that track is great Beat Science it, it kind of you've got a drum solo for about a minute and then it's like a hard boiled detective movie like a proper film noir detective soundtrack for about three minutes <laughs> I, I think it sounds like a Cypress Hill song. <laughs> well, there's loads of hip-hop. Heavy double bass line going on. Like, Yeah, there's, there's a lot of hip-hop influence. A lot of hip-hop influence. Um, that Going back to Mac Attack that you just mentioned then, yeah. I mean, that th- there's elements of that which could almost be battles. You yeah. know, it's it's a lot of this album is played 
right in the, right in between the cracks of straight and swung. It sat right in the middle. It's mm. neither. It's not straight. It's not swung, and it's like got such a cool feel to it, yeah. which is extremely difficult to do. Extremely difficult with one person to do that, but the whole band to sort of get into the groove and do yeah. that. Um, that Mac attack, it begins and the drums are playing the melody, the toms are playing the melody. Yeah, yeah totally. And then it sort of launched into a solo, um, mm. like a drum solo, and you've got like the head is being then played by the electric piano and the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very cool. I like the whole, I like the way this this sort of transcends a lot of boundaries, not just between sort of the beats, but, or, but so many genres. As well, like The Hunt, track four, which is between Mac Attack and Beat Science. It's almost lounge yeah. jazz. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, da-da-da, you know, you've got a sax thing just, just going crazy. But then there's a proper jazz tone guitar operating at its own time signature there. And I think my standout track is Isms, which is track seven, which is bass-led. So it's like, uh, it's, it's, you've got a fretless bass. Well, obviously, it's, mm-hmm. it's a stand-up bass, uh, which reminds me, it always reminds me of either... Labyrinth, um, you know, there's loads of fretless bass on the Labyrinth soundtrack, or, or the first Pearl Jam album. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, Isms is one of the, the tracks where it feels like they've managed to capture all of the elements of the band playing together, sort of in a kind of noisier unison than, than elsewhere. So I mean, you got you got things like Kings and Queens. You got those kind of snippets of, of tracks where they've locked in for like a little period but isms yeah. almost feels like the whole thing is a little bit more continuous a little bit more cohesive and I quite like that partly because even, even with the context of what they were doing and how clever it was it's like with that one they managed to sustain it for longer there's almost kind of warm feeling about the fact that oh they've locked in and they've kept it alright yeah. that's really cool they've, they've managed yeah. to keep this going and so I really enjoyed that actually that, that whole track basically it's a really weird combination of sounds which sits somewhere between drum and bass and a computer game but I felt like that was quite a good little uh, distillation of what the album's like it's just all over the place it doesn't yeah, yeah. it doesn't decide to settle anywhere it's just a reflection of what the people were doing at the time and what they threw together exactly and they talk in that documentary about doing overdubs and it's like no we don't do it <laughs> it's just it just is yeah i like that uh Mikhail himself says that the whole point of this record he set out to record improvisations with all the musicians and then create tunes from the chaos creating mm-hmm. you know absolutely yeah. bang on and he, he could quite easily have thrown a three-hour instrumental improvisation out and it just been like well received but largely yeah a bit dull or unpalatable yeah. or whatever. But the fact that there is this producer culture where he's gone away and taken his favourite bits and gone, here we go. This is this is the track I'm building. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like a totally yeah. a, a, a totally new um I don't know, interpretation of what I thought jazz was. Mm. And I like that it's an evolution of probably what jazz is even though I, I don't know very much about jazz and I'm still learning about jazz and, and, and uh, yeah. you know, thank you for choosing this album, which has opened my eyes to a whole lot of stuff about jazz that I didn't know, that I didn't know mm. uh, about. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think generally, generally pretty positive, I think from that, from that album, it's, it's a, you know, a different sort of experience and it, it 
I think that this would be great to see live. I'm thinking somewhere like Matt and Fred's in Manchester. Oh, I mean, imagine just perfect. sort of rocking up and, you know, or band on the wall and, mm-hmm. and just seeing this. I think it would be awesome. I think to see it yeah. in its, uh, you know, its most raw, um, I think would be super cool. And, yeah, I'd, you they, know, I'd really, really enjoy that. They had that bit of footage on the documentary where they, I think they were in Shoreditch in London. Did you see that? When he was, he was, um, they were playing with an MC. Oh, uh, was that what they recorded in London? Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe we saw oh, yes. a different document. Okay, cool. Yeah, they do like some sort of the improvise at the end, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and it was it was really it was really cool to see and and like you know I always I always, always feel terrified when MCs start improvising, which I know is the kind of traditional you know thing, but it's like oh god, what are you going to say here? And he opened with like I yeah, don't know what I'm yeah. going to say, and you're like. Ugh, don't say that. Yeah. Like I want, I want to be filled with confidence when you open your mouth. Yeah, um, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know that kind yeah. of venue didn't make the album. I noticed <laughs> it didn't actually. Did it? <laughs> Poor lad. But um, there was a there was a <laughs> venue they were playing. Oh, maybe this was the bit where they talked about uh, that point you made about the ambience of the room. It was a really kind of modern-looking, minimalist venue with like white walls and orange lights, and and it was like basically they wanted to feed the ambience of the room by what they were doing. What they were doing was feeding off what they were getting, and they were trying to put it back out there and trying to keep the ambience going. Really, really interesting. Again, I don't know if that made the album, but again, it helped contextualise what the thought process is behind this stuff because you know it doesn't. It doesn't immediately make sense to me what they were doing with this album. Hence, I spent a week writing gags like, oh, in uh, The Loneliness, track 10, that I had an old radiator in in one of my student houses that used to make that sound. And, uh, you know, uh, her name, <laughs> track 11. Oh, it's like the intro to a Bjork song that lasts for three minutes and 15 seconds. But it's it's... Like, you could do that when you're like, oh, I'm not into this, I can't be bothered, oh, God, this is really hard work. And it, But actually, when you drill into what makes this yeah. music, what makes this interesting, you're like, oh, I get it. It's acquired, you have to yeah. work hard, I think, to, to appreciate this. I'm glad I watched the documentaries, because it also humanised yes. the whole process. I'm going to put the documentary in the show notes, and I would definitely recommend people watch the documentary maybe before starting the album, if you are going to go for the album. But I think I really like what you've just said there. And I think that shows uh, sort of musical maturity. I absolutely, (laughs) I absolutely would um, hold my hands up and say that a year ago, I probably would have sacked this off after track five. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not kidding. I I reckon I would have gone track two myself. But um, the whole adventures in your music thing makes you kind of try a little bit harder you're like come on there's got to be something good here and then yeah yeah actually what started for me is like right let's listen to this let's get this done i've got to have something to say about this when we record the podcast ended up being like okay i'm looking forward to actually taking a bit of a break from this album but this is going to be an album i listened to for a long time because I love the vibe. I love the, yeah, totally. the energy of it. And just, you know, I'll go back to it and I'll listen to it and and kind of, you know, I don't want to say like I'm going to be transported to all those places and all those jam sessions, but I'll probably be able to visualise a little bit of what's going on and make sense of it and understand it. And, I, I, you know, it's probably not something I'm going to put on and listen to with other people because it's, it's, it is hard work and people will be like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I don't know. So playlist wise, 
I am going to go Kings and Queens. Um, I was undecided between Kings and Queens and Beat Science. And then I think I, I've got to pick Kings and Queens, given your initial reaction to it. <laughs> That that can be, dear listener, that can be your canary down the mine. Have a listen to Kings and Queen and then decide if this album is for you. Yeah, that's probably a good shout, you know. Uh it that that is quite a that is quite a frail canary though. That is quite that is the kind of canary that will cark it quite early for a lot of people. So I think in conclusion, um I was excited to hear this album. I was slightly wary, but I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I think it turned out to be a wise choice. Um, I really did dig this album. Um, and it's an album that I will continue to listen to and, and come back to. Um, and I just think it just doesn't do any harm just to check out different genres that, you know, you might not necessarily check out and draw inspiration from them or just simply just enjoy them. So I think top album, good couple of albums this week. Thoroughly enjoyed them both. Um, jazz ain't all that bad, is it? <laughs> It's all right. So that was episode 20 of Adventures in New Music. Cool, we hope you enjoyed it. Coming up next week, we have Andy. What is your album? My album is Larkin Poe with Self Made Man. And my album is Hallucination by Sophie Hunger. I will practice that pronunciation and get it bang on next week. Yeah, you will. Ace. <laughs> All right, cool. Cheers. If you've enjoyed listening, please don't forget to like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that kind of stuff. And um, review yeah. would be nice if you fancy giving us a review. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, just give us a re- That'd be nice if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> so head nod, review, smile. Yeah. Like, or thumbs eat. up. Uh, yeah. Anything else, Chris? <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're good. 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 A bit, right. A bit giddy at the end of this recording. I know. Tired. Tiredness is sick. Anyway, right, okay. <laughs> uh cheers now. Nice. Bye. See you later. Bye.